This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. And I'm your host, John Rush, Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate it very much. Live show today on February the 24th. Yes, we've had a little weather come through, and it's a reminder that you have to be prepared for anything that may come your way. I was talking to a, uh, a client of mine earlier today talking about just, you know, some, some some of the situations that are out there where, you know, folks can get stuck in snowstorms. They may be in there for numerous days. And, you know, th- there are things that you need to have not only in your home, but in your car as well. Talk a lot about the car stuff on drive radio. So I'm not going to belabor that here because there's a lot of things we talk about there. And I may get into a little bit of that on tomorrow's program as well. And we've covered that a lot in the past. So there's just basic things you should have in the car at all times just to make sure that you can handle yourself in a particular snowstorm or, you know, you're, you're caught in a blizzard or you're caught when there's a, a interstate that's shut down. And maybe you're at an exit where there's really not any services, but you're not on the main highway, but there's really no place to go. You know, are you all dialed in and set up and have everything ready to go when it comes to that? And hopefully the answer is yes especially if you're traveling in the winter months. But in some cases, well, I should say in all cases, you should have what you need all year round just in case you find yourself in that same situation. And again, I'm not going to get into all the, all the things we need in a vehicle because I can do some of that on drive radio uh, tomorrow as well. And most of you know what those things are. But what I thought I would do today is a couple of things. One, I have more survival myths that I thought I would get into and cover on, on top of that. I've got a food list for folks that are trying to prepare and have different things ready at home. I've got a food list. It's titled, uh, How to Build Your Survival Pantry with Long-Lasting Food from Your Local Market. So, in other words, you don't have to go to one of the, and they are more expensive, to one of the, you know, prepper places and buy their freeze-dried food, which I'm not saying that you can't do that. If that's something you would prefer, then, you know, be my guest the advantage of not doing that and just having regular you know, food inside of your survival pantry is, of course, you're going to eat that food from time to time. You use the you know, you know, first in, first out method. So whatever you've put in the pantry first is going to be the first thing you eat as time goes by and keep things freshened up, look at all of your dates and so on. But I've got a list here of some things that you can do. Now, some of these you would think are just you know, common sense. What do I buy? When I'm, you know, what do I look for when I'm actually shopping? And this is in an article uh, on, and it's a, it's a site actually that I use quite a bit. We link to frequently called theprepared.com. Theprepared.com is the website. And this article starts off with what to look for when shopping. And there is a specific food list we can get into, but, you know, here's some some basics of what you need to be looking at when you're looking at food and things that you would have inside of your own pantry, your own storage. Of course, long shelf life. Even though you're not matching the same kind of 20 to 30 year shelf life that a, you know, that freeze-dried food or MREs would have, and MREs aren't that long either, they're like five to eight years, uh, you still want to be smart about picking durable products. Try to avoid anything that doesn't last at least one year. So as you're going through your shopping list and trying to decide what to stock up on, do your best to avoid things that have a shelf life less than a year. Now, 
along those lines, and I've talked about this on our Wednesday program extensively as well, just because a particular food has a expiration date on it doesn't mean that that's necessarily it's bad at that time. In other words, all manufacturers, and this is a misconception, especially here in the U.S., this is a misconception. You'll look at a sell-by or use-by date on the side of a product. Now, they put the sell-by date on there because that manufacturer knows that if I'm going to have good results, good reviews, and happy customers at the end of the day, I want that product moved off of the shelf and into their hands by X date. Some cases, it could be a couple of weeks you know, as far as the expiration date goes after they've made that product. Sometimes it could be a year, sometimes six months. It depends on the product. Now, I also know that they can, you know, they'll, they'll have a use-by date as well. Now, I'm, I know I'm weird. I'm one of those guys where, you know what, as long as it tastes good, I'll, I'll do the taste test. I don't care. If it's a use-by and I'm past that a few months, I don't care. I'll give it a taste. Typically speaking, there's nothing wrong with that food and you can eat it just fine. Now, will it have the exact taste and or quality that that manufacturer or distributor of that food wanted it to have if you would have used it, you know, you know, by the use by date? Probably not. So, I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to take something that has a pretty long shelf life but does have a use by date because they can get a little bit uh the taste isn't the same the longer you wait. And Charlie, you probably know what I'm going to say next. That would be noodles. So, you know, pasta, you know, hardened, you know, whatever they, you know, dried pasta. Get it in a bag, whatever. Now, if you keep everything nice and, and tight and airtight and so on, it'll last much longer, but I think we've all thrown some pasta into the pot where you probably are way past its use-by date. Now, you're looking at that pasta thinking, okay, what could really go wrong? Honestly, not a lot. Now, will it taste maybe a little bit more stale, and is it going to be what you use to make your fabulous you know, pasta dish or lasagna dish when you're going to have all of your company over? No, you're going to go buy fresh stuff for that and have that ready for your meal and your guests and so on, and no, you're not going to use stuff that's been on the shelf for a year. Now, does that mean the stuff on the shelf isn't any good to eat at that year's time frame? You can eat it. No problem. It may Again, it may not have the same quality of taste or even act the same way that long down the road, but that doesn't mean that it's not edible. I think in, the, in our country especially, and certain people really struggle with this, they can look at a sell-by date and it's like, Oh, well, we're past that. Well, that was a sell-by. What's the use-by date? Because in a lot of cases, those products will have both. Now, in some cases, if it's like milk, it'll just have a use-by. Or, you know, I think it even says, Charlie, best used-by. Something along those lines, I think is what it says. Best used-by. Now, in my case, I'll be the first to tell you, if that, if that milk doesn't stink and it's not curdled, I'll drink it. I don't care. I don't care how far past the date it is. As long as it's not stinky. You know, there's no sour, no sourness to it, and it's not curdled up. I'll use it, especially if you're adding it to like cereal or coffee or something else that's there. I'll use it. I don't care. Eggs are another thing. The folks will think, well, the eggs are bad. You know, it's it's way past the date. You can actually do a check of eggs. Go online, look it up. But you can put eggs in water, and depending upon how the eggs act in the water, tells you whether or not. I think the I think the rule of thumb is as long as the eggs don't float, they're good. 
I think you want eggs that sink because if they float, that means there's air in them and something's not good and you need to toss them. Double check me on that. I'm not an egg expert, but I believe I'm, I believe I'm, I'm right on that. So if you're worried about eggs and how old they are and whether you can eat them or not, I think as long as they sink in water, you're good to go. Have I ever eaten a bad egg? I don't think I ever have. And I've eaten some that can go pretty long. I mean, typically when you crack it open to use it, it's sort of like, yeah, I probably shouldn't eat that. And you toss it and get another one. Milk, same deal. So, you, you know, and one thing about milk you have to be careful of is just because it smells a little sour, it can kind of get that way around the top. But the base, you know, the, the milk that's down below is actually fine. So you got to be a little careful of that, too. Pour some out, then smell it. Don't just smell the bottle. Anyways, look for things that have a long shelf life and avoid anything that doesn't last at least a year. Also, find things that are easy to store. Now, this talks about durable packaging, and we've even interviewed folks here on Ready Radio, and we've got some links up where you can buy even containers that take the air. In fact, we have one particular guest on where they talked about the, the, the actual air inside actually has a little co2 makes the the product that's inside last longer and a lot of product has co2 added right from the the distributor or for the you know packaging company anyways i believe if i'm not mistaken that's how chips and things like that are shipped they've actually got co2 not air in them that's why they get all puffy when they travel and go up and down in elevation it makes the makes the product last longer. So there's there's ways to even store things um, that are in some cases better than the product you actually bought and what you bought it in. But watch the packaging, and you know you want to find things that have good solid packaging, or you want to create a package to store it in that you know will last long term. Whether that be some of the bags that you seal, you take the air out and seal up yourself. Some of the food saver type products that are out there. And there's some commercial grade units that work much better than some of the what I call residential units. You just have to be, you know, pay attention to that and look at that. But, you know, be, you know, also stay away from foods that need to be, uh, you know, cold or frozen. That doesn't mean that you disqualify those foods. You just have to remember that you're relying on. You know, electricity and, and you know, or, or, or some way to keep those items cold if, in fact, you lose electricity. Because if you don't have the ability to keep meat, for example, refrigerated or frozen, you'll have to eat it pretty quickly when something happens. Also, we've talked about this in past shows. I haven't gotten into this in detail, really, but we, we have talked about how if something happens and we have some sort of a scenario where an EMP goes off and you're just sort of, you know, fending for your life, you're trying to survive, you, your neighbors, a group of you, whatever the case may be, you're not going to have as much time on your hands as you think. I know everybody thinks that, oh, if that were to happen and I don't have a job anymore, I'm just going to sit around and do nothing. No, you're going to survive. And you're going to be doing whatever it takes to survive on a daily basis. My gut feeling is, I could be wrong on this, but I bet you Well, the statistics already show that if we have a large EMP, the power goes out, something attacks the grid, whatever the case may be. And there's some statistics on that I may get into today if I have time. If not, I'll get to them next week. But let's say there's a big power outage across the country, wipes out the grid. 30%, if not more, 30 to 40% of Americans are dead in 30 days. Now, I'll throw another stat in that no one talks about. The remainder will be thinner at the end of a year. Guaranteed. 
they will be busy. They will not be eating as much. They will be doing things to actually survive, and they will not be sitting around eating the things that we currently eat now, getting fat. Every single person in the United States of America, if we have that kind of an issue, will be thinner within six months, actually, a year for sure, but within six months, will be much thinner. And the reason is you, you will not have the same time on your hands that you think you do. So next on this list is pick foods that are easy to prepare. So in the kind of emergency where you're relying on food, you might not have utilities or other stuff that makes cooking easier. So, and this is their article, not mine, we favor foods that can be eaten as is. Only need basic reheating or rehydrating, easy to mix and match with other ingredients. Keep in mind, you're not going to be gourmet at this point. You're not going to be throwing the same sort of things into your food that you now have. We have luxury items now. Those will not exist in the type of times I'm talking about. You will be putting into it whatever is necessity, whatever is a necessity to survive, and that's it. Maybe have a little salt and pepper. And by the way, we talked about this last week. You need salt. Pepper, not so much, but you need salt. You've got to have iodine and salt intake to survive. You also need some sugar, believe it or not. We've, you know, again, we know sugar is an enemy when it comes to things like, you know, cancer and disease and so on. But in this particular scenario I'm talking about, you will also need sugar intake. Again, one of those basics that we need. Uh, You also need to make sure that whatever you're eating is nutritional. Not necessarily healthy, but nutritional. Your mental and emotional well-being will be and is dependent upon what you're eating. And keep in mind, this will be especially initially a crisis scenario. Anytime there's a crisis... Emotion, stress, all those things are high. You've got to counter those situations with proper food. In this case, nutrition. So you don't want to make things worse by living off of junk food. For example, we know how long Twinkies last, and yes, they have a very long shelf life. Can you live off Twinkies? No. Could you have one for a pick-me-up or dessert or something along those lines? Yeah. I'm not saying you can't have one, but if you're relying on Twinkies to sustain your life, uh, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. That you, you don't want a case of Twinkies, and that's what you're going to rely on. Now, things that have some nutritional value, and it's, it's better than others, are like ramen noodle, cup of noodles. Some of those things are very easy to store. They last a very long time. Even after a year, they may not taste great. But they will have some nutritional value, and you can eat that even at that point in time. And it's a matter of adding hot water. And you hopefully will have hot water, even if it's the old caveman way of building a fire and hanging a pot over the top of it. You will have hot water. You have to. It's the basis of survival. So you have to have that. So, again, look at the nutritional value of these things as you're shopping, along with that shelf life, the storage, how easy is it to prepare. Next is calorie density. Some food, or how it's packaged, gives you more caloric bang per square foot than others. And keep in mind, limited space is often your biggest problem when you're building your pantry. So you also want things that have a high 
calorie density to it. What does that mean? Just look at the label on the food. There are some protein bars, and no, you can't live off protein bars, but there are some protein bars like a Cliff Bar, for example. If you look at the calories that are in that Cliff Bar, and you think, well, if I had to live for three or four days on Cliff Bars, could I? Yeah, actually, you could. Each one of them, I think, is about 250 calories or so. And there's enough food, nutrition, and such in that where if you had three of those a day, you, you would have enough to sustain you. It's not going to be enough to, to you know, keep you going and put, you know, you know, keep fat on if you would. But would it keep you going several days? Yes. 200 calories a day is not going to be enough to, you know, keep you alive, of course, but you, because you need more than that. Some of you would even say, well, how many calories a day do I need? Depends on you. Depends on your activity level. Depends on your age. There's charts, by the way, all over the internet that will tell you how much, you know, how many calories a day you burn resting. For most people, that's probably around 15 to 1800 calories a day. You'll burn that many doing nothing, just surviving, heart beating, breathing. You know, even people laying in a bed that are invalids will need a certain amount of caloric intake to survive. You, you can't go without anything. Your body is using calories just resting. Even when you're sleeping, you're burning a certain amount of calories. So for yourself, look up what that is. And point being, if you're not exerting anything and you are on average using 1,800 calories a day resting, that means you're going to need at least 1,800 a day to sustain the current, how should I say, Charlie, the current health that you have now. Keep in mind, if you're working, walking, doing anything else, that 1,800 could soon go to 2,800. You could burn another 1,000 calories a day staying active all day long, which, by the way, you'll be doing. So really, you should probably figure out, how am I going to get a 2,500 to 3,000 calorie diet in in these type of situations? Because if you can't, I go back to what I said a little bit ago, you're going to lose weight. Now, most are going to anyways. Just because the type of foods and everything that you're eating is going to be way different than it is right now. But that's one of those things you need to be thinking about is how am I going to survive and is my family going to survive? You know, if we're a family of four, let's say, and something like this happens, how are all four of us going to live and sustain life like we know it? You know, health-wise. Lastly, any dietary restrictions. So an emergency isn't a time to be picky, but it's okay to avoid foods that either your family hates or that you have a problem with, i.e., if you're, if you're allergic to milk and things along those lines, then you're probably not going to have those types of products around even if they're freeze-dried. Maybe you're, you've got an, an, uh, you know, you're, you're allergic to gluten. Well, you're not going to have the pasta I was talking about earlier unless it's a gluten-free type pasta. You're not going to have a can of, you know, a, you know, a container of wheat around to actually cook with you get my drift so you need to look at your your own life and what are you allergic to and what can and can't you eat to know what to have in storage because the last thing you want to do is have a bunch of stuff in storage that you're not going to be able to use at that point now you have a i guess you have a bargaining chip but hopefully somebody else has something you can use at that point all right i've got more to come on this even a little bit of a list of things we can specifically by and we'll even get into what's the difference between shelf stable versus non-perishable we'll talk about that in a moment as well all right stack optical 
You hear me talk a lot about Alan. A great guy. Going to send my wife to him in the not-too-distant future when it comes to uh, just eyewear in general, whether it means you need you know, readers to see, whether you need full-bore bifocals, trifocals, you name it, nearsighted, farsighted, doesn't matter what it is. And those of you that maybe need something specific when it comes to your eyewear, that's where Stack Optical comes in. They've got so many different choices, I can't name them all. It's not just in the frames, it's in the functionality of that eyewear. And when we talk about the things we're talking about now, you want to make sure that you've got functional eyewear at the end of the day because the last thing you can't afford is to not be able to see. Now, that includes even folks like myself, where if you wear contacts, your prescription is not going to get refilled. And you may have four or five months of contacts on the shelf, but after that, then what? And again, you're not going to run down to the local optometrist, have an eye exam, and find Alan Stack selling you glasses at that point. Those guys aren't going to exist. Doubtful that they will. So, Have all of this ready to go that needs to be in your kit, whether you're going to stay at home or you're going to bug out. You need to make sure you've got the proper eyewear. Stock Optical can do all of that for you. Alan Stack, 303-321-1578. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20-plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. 
calibrations. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. All right, we are back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for listening. You can go to the website, by the way, ready-radio.com or ready-radio.com. That's the place to go. John and Cheyenne, is I-80 open yet? Um, not all of it. It's closed between uh, Rollins and Rock Springs completely. They haven't wow. been able to get it completely clear. Wow. Uh, from Rollins, you can go eastbound. And from Rock Springs, you can go westbound. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I was looking at the map while you were talking in the previous segment, and there between Laramie and uh, Rollins is a probably a half a dozen towns on either off of I eighty or US thirty that have been completely cut off since Monday. Wow. There you go. Yep. But haven't heard anything about power, but these people. Because where they live and they know it, and I think you would like this story, they're mostly prepared. Good. For what's going to, you know, for a week. They pretty much go to the, whether it's over to Laramie or into Rollins and say, all right, I need to make sure I got enough food for a couple of weeks in the house Mm -hmm. and then replenish. Right. So, but uh, not this storm. I think it was a week ago or two weeks ago, same roads were closed. Woman in Medicine Bow went into labor. They couldn't get anybody to her, and the local marshal for the town of Medicine Bow delivered the baby. Wow! And and he hadn't uh, had any training in like since he went through marshal training in like twenty years ago. Unbelievable! <laughs> Good for him. And the baby's fine, and everybody's fine. But this is what happened. So, yes. <clears throat> a couple of things when you're talking about shelf stable canned goods usually will last a really long time, but I bet you there's people out there that don't have a manual can opener. (laughs) Good point. And And have never opened one with a pocket knife either, have they? Or, yeah, well, if you've got your Swiss Army knife, then that's got the can opener on it. Or Or a screwdriver. What's funny, yeah, or I've got my old P-38 from... The old sea rations in the army still hanging on my dog tag chain. There you go. <laughs> so I can always, and that thing's like forty something years old. But um, I just went downstairs while I was on break. A uh, couple of things that may, if it, if it's a week or two, those tuna packets you see in every grocery store. Yeah, they're about two years shelf stable. There you go. You know, pre mixed, so they got a little flavor. A can of tuna, you know. It's kind of bland, but it's going to keep you full, and that's 200 calories in just one can. Of the other thing, too, that so and we've talked about this in years past, John, is if you uh-huh. can find the tuna that comes in oil, not water, I believe they also have a longer life, do they not? And actually have more caloric, you know, no caloric I, intake, right? I, I don't know. And if it's the real good tuna, which you can, you'll pay more for, would be packed in olive oil. 
Correct. Better for you than Correct. like vegetable oil. But vegetable oil is better than water. You know, a lot of people say, well, we don't want the oil because of the fat, but in a survival situation, you do want the fat. Yes, you do. You, you want the, the good fat, fat which the, that would have in it. Yes, you do, definitely. Yep. Um, yes. Hey, but the by the way, that, that's, that a good, do, that's a good shelf-stable food to have, by the way. Oh, cans of tuna or salmon, same thing. They're, look at the label the next time you're in Costco and look at the shelf life. It says best used by like 2028 or something. Correct. So... And if and if you like tuna occasionally, you're going to rotate that stock like yep. you were talking Which about. Which actually, I yeah, I I'm, I'm one of those guys going to have a tuna sandwich, no problem. So I'm easy with that. Yeah. I can eat it right out of the um, can, John. I, I don't care. One of the things we do is we buy those packets for backpacking with some crackers or a tortilla, and that's a perfect lunch out on the trail where it's shelf stable until you yep. until you open the bag. Good idea. You know, tortillas are another thing that won't last forever, but if you have some in the, like, the refrigerator or the freezer and your power goes out, they're going to last probably a week or two, mm-hmm. and it'll give you some of the carbs you need mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to bread. And bread, too. In this climate, bread doesn't go stale like it did when I lived back east. Mm-hmm. You know, it, t- it takes longer, so you know, and bread's going to help. But the other thing is have an alternate way of heating your water. Yes, you're. You probably have either propane or natural gas at your house, right? Correct. If you have propane, you're okay until the tank runs dry. Make True. sure you, you know, like we, we make sure it's at least, you know, three quarters full at the beginning of every winter. So this way, and we only use it for small things. This way, we would know if we had to use it throughout, say, a four or five day blackout, we could cook. Mm-hmm. But if you're on natural gas and it's an EMP. Those pumping stations are only going to be on their generator for so long if the generator's protected before the natural gas runs out, too. Correct. Correct. Really quick, so I, did, I did a little looking is, while you were talking, and I was right. So if you buy, oh, I just looked up Starkist, but if you, if you buy the Starkist in, uh-huh. the, in the olive oil like you just mentioned, 230 calories, uh-huh. 13 grams of fat, okay. and go down the rest of the list. If you, and that's yeah. per serving. If you buy the same three-ounce can in water, it's only 80 calories and one gram of fat, so you don't have near the fat content. Buy the, buy the stuff in oil is my point. Right. You'll get the protein the same, but you won't get the fat content. Correct. And the biggest things that people don't get enough of in, and we see this backpacking, we're always looking for extra protein, is not getting enough protein. And by the end of the day, you're just dragging your butt because you didn't have enough protein that day. Good point. Um, The other thing is what we do, because we're backpackers, is we resupply for what we assume is going to be the average next season of freeze-dried meals, because usually September, October, right after hunting season, they go on special. Good point. They'll go on, you know, they get cheaper. Sierra Trading Post has the mountain homes, mountain house ones that you can, you see in Walmart or for seven bucks, a, you know, and that's usually a dollar or two cheaper than anywhere else in the winter. So we'll buy what we like backpacking, but we know we have, you know, a, a week's worth of freeze-dried food if we need it, that and canned goods, mm-hmm. and I have my backpackings. The other thing that is uh, people don't realize is there's certain things you can get off-season, like um, usually uh, at the end of the backpacking season, uh, 
they'll put the uh, canisters of uh, fuel for your uh, small stoves that you carry right. camping. Right. On special, I picked up. They're usually five bucks. They were three bucks. I picked up a handful of them. Nice. You know, three or four. Nice. Them and that's that's going to last forever. So little things like if you're thinking like that website, which I did look at when you mentioned it, are recommending to do out of the supermarket. Also think of like outdoor shops, gear shops, yep. and what's going out of season because they want to empty the shelves so they have room next spring, like now to start restocking the backpacking meals. No, and, and you know what? Stuff. By the way, John, that's kind of true with all products. I This has nothing to do with prepping, yeah. but I was – this is – you're, you're, you're going you're to like this. So, you know, I use – I'll be the first to admit it. I've got, you know, five acres and tons of weeds and different things, and I use Roundup to control uh-huh. weeds and so on. And, you know, normally, uh-huh. you know, normally in the business I buy, you know, I buy all that in, in big bulk and get a good deal on it and all that. But I was right. at Home Depot one day, the wife and I were, and she's looking around, and there's this entire shelf of Roundup. It comes in the – Two and a half gallons. It's got, or sorry, gallon and a half, and it's got the uh, the spray pump attached and all that. Normally, that that little that little canister is like twenty nine dollars a deal, a container. They had them mm-hmm. on sale at the uh, probably around I don't know. It was after Thanksgiving, John, that I bought these. I bought almost everything they had. They were two dollars and ninety cents each, down from twenty nine dollars. There you go. So that's the go. kind of stuff that, you're talking that. about. You just have to watch for. Absolutely. Yeah. But in, you know, we're talking survival today. Um, if you don't have a sleeping bag in your house right now, I don't care where you live. Even if you live in downtown Denver, you're making a mistake. True. True. Because uh, uh, as many blankets as you have, the sleeping bag designed to zip it up and hold the heat that your body's generating back in it. Correct. Will keep you way warmer on a, you know, on a power outage night. Yep. And we are not. What's today? The twenty fourth. Yep. We still got six weeks of winter. Oh, John, I was telling that and to a client getting... this morning. I mean, yeah, we, you know, I told everybody at the beginning of February we could see below zero weather in February. I've seen it before. Not bragging, but that's exactly <laughs> what just happened. I've seen it get below zero in March too, John. Oh, I have too. I'm and the below zero only lasts a couple of days as you get further into March. Correct. It's usually not as bad. What I'm thinking is we're going to see at least one of those 10 to 20 inches of that heavy, wet snow that breaks your equipment, you know, the, you know yeah. the stuff? Yep. When you're trying to move it and you always break something, move in spring snow. That is what I think we're going to get one of those this year, and everybody should be prepared to be, you know, like you said, a week. If you're not prepared to be without any access to anything for a week, you're not prepared at all. Agree. Agree. And the other thing, you were saying Top Ramen, we buy it at Costco by the case, yep. and we use that as a, pre, yep. a pre-dinner when we're backpacking. Nothing wrong with so that we, at all. Again, we rotate the stack. Yep. No, it's great. No, that stuff's yeah. Have a great day. Yeah, honestly, not bad at all, John. Appreciate it. That's great information. And yeah, to his point, and I don't want to belabor this, but folks, we're in, you know, for those of you that are especially listening to us that maybe a transplant, you're new to Colorado, maybe you've only lived here a few years. We've not had super cold marches in the last several years. But bottom line is, 
we can have that. We can get super cold in March. Now, is that normal? Not typically. I mean, normally sort of those uh, high 20s, you know, kind of our lows now will start to be into those high 20s. We get enough daylight, uh, you know, sunshine, I should say, during the day where it's not too bad. Although I have seen it get below zero. In fact, I'm just looking right now. Uh, March's coldest temperature ever recorded in Denver was minus 11. Minus 11. And it's been that since. So, yeah, don't don't kid yourself. Yes, I know we're getting closer and closer to springtime. We still have to get through the month of March. And I've seen us have very rainy and cool Aprils as well. I've seen two feet of snow the first week of April, by the way. So, again, not trying to scare anybody, just letting everybody know and being prepared, especially if you're a transplant. No, we are not out of the woods yet. Do not swap over your snow tires and do any of those things yet. We are. Don't put the snow shovel away or the snow blower. No, we're not out of the woods. We've got a lot more that will come most likely in March. Again, I'm not don't have a crystal ball. I don't know that for sure, but March is normally one of our snowier months. So hang tight. We've uh, we've got another break. We're going to take here real quick. We'll come right back. Lines are open if you want to call in, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. This is Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses. We'll look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, Yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. You need a roof that is going to keep you and yours protected from the Colorado elements this winter. But having a reliable, functioning roof doesn't mean you should have to compromise your bank account. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement with a rejuvenation treatment. This 100% plant-based product gives you new roof performance without new roof costs. But sometimes a replacement is absolutely necessary. With over 20-plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your family. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. 
Contact Dave Hart, owner of Roof Savers Colorado today, and he will inspect your roof to see if it qualifies for the treatment. Call 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your family is protected. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, we are back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Again, lines are open. Give us a call if you want to chime in on what John was just saying a moment ago as well. John from Cheyenne, I should say, 303-477-5600. The text line also 307-200-8222, 307-200-8222. So what it means to be shelf-stable versus non Perishable. One of the easiest ways to build up your pantry is through buying a little extra during your normal shopping trips and following the simple but powerful first-in, first-out method. Like I said earlier, FIFO. We talk about that in business when it comes to inventory. So, the longer the food lasts, the easier and better your preparing will be. Even the U.S. Department of Agriculture says so, and they define shelf-stable as... Foods that can be safely stored at room temperature or on the shelf are called shelf-stable. These non-perishable products include country hams, canned and bottled foods, rice, pasta, flour, sugar, spices, oils, food processed in aseptic or retort packages, and other products that do not require refrigeration until after opening. Not all canned goods are shelf-stable. These will be labeled, keep refrigerated. And by the way, we don't want those. So when you're in the store, here's a tip. Get in the habit of looking at the expiration dates before putting something in your cart. It's not uncommon to end up with, in, to end up with something that's already wasted much of its shelf life sitting on the market or worse yet, has already expired. Now here's another little tip. And I've never done this myself, but I've heard of people doing so. If the product is expired. In a lot of cases, you can take that to the register if you can now find somebody working a register. And typically, you can get that at a discount or in some cases for free because they're going to throw it away anyways. And Charlie is nodding his head at me because, yes, I've heard of many people doing that. doesn't happen that often because typically they're scanning the shelves, making sure that those things are not expired on the shelf anyways. But if, in fact, you happen to run across one that is, you can always still throw that in your, in your cart. Just make sure you set it to the side and ask, is there any kind of a 
discount, you know, how are you handling this expired item? Now, in some cases, depending upon the market, they may not even sell it to you. They may just do away, you know, just throw it away and not even worry about it. Um, we would love to give you a list of common foods and tell you exactly how long they'll last, but that's more difficult than you might expect. So there's differences of opinions, by the way, on on how long certain things will even last. So, for example, the LDS Church says that wheat berries can last 30 years. Be Still Farms says about a year in the fridge, while the Whole Grains Council says six months. Now, I would also say that the Whole Grains Council, being a quote-unquote co-op that represents other farms and individuals, is probably going to give you the least amount available versus some of the others. 30 years, I think that's a... I don't know that I'd want to eat a berry 30 years old, but that's just me. A year in the fridge, that's Be Still Farms. Anyways, um, you have to determine the storage, you know, the way you're going to store the foods, I should say. The life of that item, according to how you're going to store it. And then here's the five enemies of shelf life. And, And again, these are things you need to be paying attention to. Heat, light, that's why pantries should be dark, moisture, want to keep them as moisture-free in Colorado, that's usually not a big issue for us, pests, that can be an issue, even sugar ants and moths and things like that can get into stuff, so you got to make sure that you've got things, you know, really nice and tight to where, you know, those things can't happen, mice and so on. And then, of course, oxygen is another killer. We want to make sure that we keep things airtight. So the more that you can reduce those factors, the longer your foods will last. An an unopened bag of rice won't last as long in a garden shed as it will inside of your home, for example. Why? Because your climate is not as controlled in the shed as it is inside of your house. Same thing would be true if you put things in your, if you happen to have one in your crawl space, or even more of a damp basement. Maybe you've got a corner that's kind of down by where your sump pump pit is and things like that. That's going to be a more damp area, believe it or not, than other parts of your home are. So be looking at, and there's even humidity readers that you can buy that will measure exactly how much the humidity is in certain areas and be watchful of that because, you know, again, we're lucky to live in Colorado where we don't have a lot of humidity, but that is one of your enemies. So keep things in as dry of a place as you can. Now, some of you have the ability to build a little room, build a little pantry. You can put a dehumidifier in that area, keep as much moisture in there as possible, or keep as much moisture from being in there as possible. I should say extract the moisture is what I'm getting at, and you can go that route. Most shelf-stable foods are safe indefinitely. In fact, canned goods will last for years. As long as the can itself is in good condition, no rust, dense swelling, The swelling is meaning something inside is going bad, by the way. Packaged foods, cereal, pasta, cookies, they will be safe. This goes back to what I was talking about in the first segment. They'll be safe past the best buy date, although they may eventually become stale or develop an off flavor. Now, again, we've all kind of tasted things where it's like, ew, are these really really what I should be eating right now? Um, The taste may not be great, but if the nutritional value is still there, you're most likely going to eat it and use it in this particular situation. Again, we're talking about when things have hit the fan and you need to eat, you're going to eat things regardless. Dave and Thornton is next. Dave, what's going on? 
nothing my fans. I just wanted to add something to what you were talking about. Uh, although you don't, you know, pepper's not necessary. Some other kind of spices, I would think, as long as they're still in the container, you know, airtight, like they usually come packaged, that will help make some of that uh, bad taste go away. True. Yeah, and and you know, David. Sorry, I should have I should have been a little more clear too. I would say that we actually do need pepper if you've got a situation where you know down the road you need to season some meat or put some pepper on some meat to you know even even keep it lasting longer and so on. There are ways to do that with meat, as you know as well. So yeah, I'm not saying we don't need pepper at all, but it is not one of the things to sustain life like salt and sugar is. Yeah, and uh, another one would be I mean. Anybody who's been out there, after whatever, some uh, jerky tips. Yes. Something like that would be great. So, you know, whatever kind of meat you gain, you manage to kill, whatever else, you can seize it, dry it out yourself. And, you know, if you build your own uh, solar ovens, they're easy to make out of aluminum foil and cardboard. True. And and Dave, that's what they did back in the day. In fact, there's many a cowboy back in the day that would be out on the trail for sometimes weeks on end, and all they had was jerky with them because that jerky was their their main source of protein. And, yeah, can you survive on that? You absolutely can. Absolutely, absolutely. And another one, which is, you know, I remember from, you know, anybody who's ever been in the military, Tabasco. That's got a very long shelf life. Yes, it does. Change the flavor of almost anything. Just make, you know, a, a, a piece of shoe leather tastes pretty good. True. Yeah. Good point. Kind of that seasoning that's got vinegar on it, because then again, that'll also give you a little bit of salt that you would need. True. You know. True. And uh, one other big main one would be water and water storage. I mean, you can go out and buy some of those big blue food-ready uh, uh, containers to in an emergency run to your bathroom and start filling those buckets, you know, those yep. big barrels up with water. Yep. And uh, maybe keep a couple cases of, of uh, bottled water on hand. So if you do have to have to bug out, you can just, yep. you can just grab those cases of water, throw them in the car for your pickup, you know, and, and head on out. Because, you know, without water, all the other stuff isn't going to help much. You're cra- You know, the other thing, too, Dave, I've been thinking of lately, and I do keep some of these around, is a lot of folks will use bottled water from whoever, Deep Rock, El Dorado, whatever. And you can also buy those typically at the supermarket or Home Depot or all sorts of different places. Now you can buy that five-gallon jug. And it, by the way, that thing is sealed. Uh, you know, the water inside of it is definitely going to be good. There's very little air to make anything go bad. You know, that's another thing. Or if you, you could keep 10, 15 gallons of those kicking around, again, do the first-in, first-out deal where you know you've got X amount of water there no matter what. It doesn't have to be in a dispenser. You could even throw a five-gallon and, you know, one of those in the back of your car, truck, and have all the water, You not all the water, but enough water to survive there for several days if you actually had that handy. So that's another idea also. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure your, your last caller, um, the backpacker, knows this little trick, the little uh, water filtration kits. They've got some of those that will filter 10,000 gallons, and it's yep. a little lot larger, you know, bigger than a, a small flashlight. And, they all, you know, I was watching another program, this guy was talking about these little fold-up, uh, rubber uh, bags, fold them up, throw them in your backpack or in your back pocket, whatever else. And when the opportunity arises where you can come across a, a fresh source of water, go ahead and fill that up and you know carry around four or five gallons with you. 
Yep. No, those are all great tips. And, and the straw thing, by the way, great, great idea, Dave. And that's one of those things where, like like John was even saying, if you buy those at the right time of the year, they will, they will be yep. at places like Costco or some of the places he mentioned, either at the end of the year or sometimes at the beginning of the year on sale. Yeah, having, I don't know, half a dozen or so of those straws would survive, you know, would suffice. Every, every family member could have a couple of them. You'd be, you'd be set doing that. Yeah, and, and this is the funny thing. You know, people discount this every now and then, but, you know, really, Walmart has a sporting goods section. Yes. And you'd be amazed what you can find at Walmart, and then it's really like you're talking about certain times of the year. Yep. In the clearance aisle. Yeah, and for everybody listening, you you guys probably already know this, but just as somebody who's been in the retail world my whole life, the end caps are where all of these sale items mostly are, your clearance items, I should say. They're typically on end caps. So as you're perusing through stores, just look through the end caps, and that's typically where you're going to find those deals, Dave. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So You, know, and, you, know, like, you always got to be open to, like you guys were talking about, Spot the deal, and you know when it's there, jump on it. I might right. not need it now, but yep. I'm going to need it later. Well, the, the, my roundup there. story I gave is you know one of those, Dave. I mean, I don't know how many gallons I ended up buying a, a lot. I, I bought basically everything they had because when it's uh, twenty seven and twenty seven, let's see, twenty six fifty off. It was twenty six dollars and fifty cents off their normal price. Yeah, I bought them. Yeah, and uh, another one you, know, you got to think of, even if you don't use it. And we're talking worst case scenario here. That's always something that you can barter. That's right. You know, if you bought extra and that's you're right, not, you know you're not good point. Eat it, but somebody else might. Great point. You, you get amazed when they're desperate for something they don't yep. have. What that's know. great point. Nope, great point. Dave, I'll let you go. I got one more call to squeeze in here. Thank you very much. Great tips, by the way. Darlene and Greeley, you're next. Good morning. I've got to tell you, I love your show. Years ago, my family did a lot of camping. Unfortunately, we haven't done that for years. But I've been a a long-term storage advocate. Nice. And I really love you guys and your program. In cleaning out my refrigerator a while back, I came across uh, several packages of uh, Jack Links. Uh, It says, beef loaded with cheddar. And... um, it does say non-preserved, but the expiration date or the best buy date on them is um, April of 22. They've been at the back of my refrigerator for probably at least six months or more. Okay. They should still be They're, they're packaged um, airtight. Yeah. In packs of three. I would think so. The only, the only issue there, I think, Darlene, would be probably more the cheese in there and as long as you you know cut an end off and taste it you I mean you'll know right away whether it tastes good or not as long as it tastes fine yeah i'd eat it awesome and then the other thing is i've got a couple packs of Ostermeyer all angus uncured beef franks okay um now, I can't find a best-buy date on the package, but I know they've been at the back of my refrigerator for at least four months. I am concerned about them. You, same thing. You can, do the, you can open those, Darlene, and do the sniff test on those as well. As long as they don't smell rank, they'll be okay. What folks don't realize when it comes to hot dogs, I didn't know this until actually talking to Greg Bloom at Barber's Foods, it is a law 
in, in you know it's a it's a law in the United States of America. Every single franc, pork or beef, is pre cooked anyway. So those have already been cooked. The chances of those being bad is really slim. Yeah, and it does say fully cooked. There you go. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Darlene. I no, thank you. Shows. Well, thank, thank you. Appreciate you. Lord bless you. Thank you, Darlene. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, again, folks, I know I'm weird. I'm just that guy. And sometimes I think my family even looks at me like, you, you'll you'll eat that? If it, if it smells okay and it tastes okay, yeah, I'll eat it. I, I mean, again, I know how the food industry works and what their best buy, you know, best sell by dates and even their expiration dates mean. And it's not what everybody thinks. We've had many a show on that. And there's even been some programs uh, that have put out, been put out or some specials put out by the likes of John Stossel, where he's had similar things along those lines, where a lot of these companies will put those things on there because they're either competing with someone else or they're trying to make sure that their flavor and what they're doing is, you know, into their credit, top notch, because they don't want to... They don't want to fall behind in their particular marketplace, but that doesn't mean that those products are bad at that point in time. It's just a sell-by date or a best-used-by date or a expiration date. doesn't mean it's necessarily expired. Now, those chips in the bag from an expired bag may not taste as good as a, as a you know set of chips that you just bought. doesn't mean they're not edible and that they're going to kill you if you eat them, typically with food. Now, I know some folks have different taste buds than others, but typically with food, you can sniff it and taste it. And by the way, one small bite of something, especially if you spit it right out because it doesn't taste well, is not going to harm anybody. You're not going to die from doing something along those lines. You can pretty much tell right away. So, all right, that's it for Ready Radio today. Anything you want to know or any of the links, different things that we do on the show each week, or if there's a particular topic you'd like me to cover, go right to ready-radio.com. I should say, send me a you know, send me a, a little note there. Go to the contact us portion of it. I'll get the email on it that way. We can do exactly whatever you need. But this is Ready Radio KLZ five sixty. and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.